All right, Nick is doing fuckboy shit to the Zoom voice. Um, all right, I'll read the, the opening bit. We're recording, we're good? Cool. All right, so this is a letter written by Secretary of State George Catlett Marshall in 1947. The letter was given to Dwight Palmer Griswold to help orientate him for his new job as the head of American military operations in Greece. The most powerful man in Greece, according to New York Times at the time, a role served from 1947 to 1949, uh, the final years of the Greek Civil War. This is the letter. It is possible that during your stay in Greece, you and the ambassador will come to a conclusion that the effectiveness of your mission would be enhanced if a reorganization of the Greek government could be effected. If such a conclusion is reached, it is hoped that you and the ambassador will be able to bring about such a reorganization indirectly through discreet suggestion and otherwise in such a manner that even the Greek political leaders will have a feeling that the reorganization has been affected largely by themselves and not by pressure from without. During the course of your work, you and the members of your mission find that certain Greek officials are not, because of incompetence, disagreement with your policies, or for some other reason, extending the type of cooperation which is necessary if the objectives of your mission are to be achieved. You will find it necessary to effect the removal of these officials. Uh, Dwight, Dwight Palmer Griswold later went on to be governor and senator of Nebraska in the 50s and looks exactly as you'd imagine a governor and senator of Nebraska in the 50s would look. Uh, so yeah, there's your, there's your intro. If you went by your middle name, did, did you just get hired on the spot for the yeah, CIA? <laughs> absolutely. Dwight Palmer Griswold is the most like American thing I've heard since uh, West M. Caleb. Alex, your mic is off. <laughs> There's no proof West Elm Caleb isn't an asset. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> is there a, a city in Germany that translates to West Elm? There must be. There's Black Forest. No, West Elm Caleb is uh, extremely American because he's West Egg Caleb. He's the great Gatsby, which is why he was gallivating. Oh my God. Well, they, had, they had connections to the Nazis at that, or the proto Nazis. The great Gatsby? Did He's not real. Well, no, but it's, I think, implied that the, yeah. that Long Island set, that uh, 20s, 30s Long Island set was uh, friendly with proto-nationalist movements in, in the old days. I get all my news from RT. I got to back in <laughs> up on this. <laughs> the green light was? He was looking out there for... Yeah, it was Hitler's submarine. Okay, cool. I buy it. The green light was trying to like do a deactivation phrase. It was actually Morse code. <laughs> Unfortunately, the guy to the end was a fucking rich idiot. <laughs> That's right, folks. It's our return to our series on The Great Gatsby, episode two. <laughs> the Great Gatsby. The Great. Great Gatsby, and by that we mean it's Gladio Radio episode two. What does it say at the top here? Greece. I thought that was going to be a title, but instead I just walked into that like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, this is kind of the 300 of our podcasts and i've been telling a lot of people that oh it's really fun i went to see the movie 300 when i was dating a cypriot girl and then at the end of the movie she was just like yeah they all lose kid <laughs> 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 all the fucking lose the persians win that's a movie oh. where the first the front half of it really carries the entire thing because the second half is just slow motion elephant fights. There's nothing Yo, hey, going on there. Next, we were feeling different, or right? Yeah. Like, you know. This is what we did with all that, like, 
free crisis money. We just spent it on like <laughs> slow motion recordings of the Beast of Burden. Yeah. We have it's so much time. We'll watch the, the footage at half speed. My mortgage is so cheap. I can afford all these slow motion cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are like much more interesting stereotypes about the Greeks in uh, Germany and Europe proper, but it's weird in America because when you meet a Greek American, they always tell you that, like, yeah, I know, you think we just have a bunch of anal sex. That's the stereotype. <laughs> just, exactly. I've had Greek people tell me that. Like, no one thinks that about you. We just think you own diners. And, yeah, let like, me just get in front of this. I do not have sex with children. That is a vicious, <laughs> vicious slur. Are you Grecian? <laughs> I can, I can tell you the uh, uh, German stereotype of Greeks right now. Uh, Alex put in a long beeping noise to censor all the slurs I'm about to say. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's bad. It's bad. They, they think they're dog people. Uh, well, okay. They're not dog people. However, I have heard from people who traveled <laughs> to Greece that it is rampant. It is teeming with stray dogs. The entire country is just. Uh, a pack I thought you were going to be like the anal sex is out of control. <laughs> the rumors are true. Dogs Doggy do do that. Style, yeah. yeah, and to fight over territory, male dogs will <laughs> penetrate one another. Anyway, they're only doing it over there because they're Greek, though, not because they're dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like how in France you get a kiss on the cheek. Hello, in Germany they fuck you in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then in Greece, it's a whole other. Oh wait. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to think of something even nastier for Greece. How sometimes I say something wrong in a podcast, and I'm like, "How much of my time could I take replacing that one word I said and <laughs> dropping it somewhere else?" <laughs> well, we'll never do it. Uh, should we introduce everybody or whatever? In the off chance that you only listen to one of these two fantastic shows, yeah, yeah let's do that. Um, I, I can go first. This is the Corner Spady podcast in, in conjunction with Pod Down America. It is Kieran, and I'm joined by Rob. Hello, this is and, Rob. And Nick, who is going to be talking for most of this, I imagine. Yeah, I'm resting my vocal cords because I'm gonna like like after after yeah. this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start saying a bunch of Greek noises that only my throat can produce. No. <laughs> MC Nick before he goes off. And it is the return of Pod Damn America. With your hosts Alex and Jake Flores, my voice, and, and and Anders, Jake's friend, Anders Lee here, uh, close to being an EU citizen. Not quite, but there is a timeline in which I qualify. How are you close to being an EU citizen? <laughs> my mom could have applied in the seventies, but she for, she forgot. That and, is not uh, close. No, it is. <laughs> if she had done that, she there's like a window. Where if you yeah. have a grandparent who's born in Europe, you can apply to be an EU citizen, and then if you but if you miss it, then you're yeah, like you're shit out of luck. because it's just like I don't know. Some countries will be like you need parents born here, and then like Poland and Ireland will just like test your blood. Yeah, and then like ah yeah sure fuck it here you go here's a passport go wild. I was a. Uh close to scuba diving uh the entire time I've been in new york because i just need some scuba gear and then some classes i could go right to the bottom of the ocean alex that's that's right now that's just maltese citizenship if you want it uh you're far closer in the process than anders um <laughs> <laughs> i do uh, i gotta get the fuck out of here <laughs> I, i'm technically almost a greece greek citizen just because i uh have done something that they're stereotyped to uh, be <laughs> <laughs> honorary Greek citizen. 
Let's just say when no one's around, we call Jake the dog. <laughs> I've heard that Malta, the stereotype there is uh, inbreeding. And if you meet a Maltese, they're like, I know you think we just marry each other's cousin. And everyone they say this to is like, no, we don't think about you at all. Actually, <laughs> think about the Humphrey Bogart movie and that's it. And his entire life is just meeting foreigners who don't have any social skills. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, yeah. Italian, I, yeah, I could I could tell you some stories. It's a small island nation, Malta. They could all be inbred. Yeah. They're very proud of Britney Spears, who is Maltese. What? Okay. All right. I'm getting in front of this four hour podcast and uh, slightly expediting it. Why are we talking about Greece today? It's the Gladio series. No, no, no. What's wait. down hey, there? You know what Greece starts with? If you're an American, I don't know what they call it in the actual country, but in America, and if you speak English, it starts with a G. You know what else starts with the G? Gladio. Ryan said. Oh, that's what I that's... meant to say. I misspoke. Wow. <laughs> Mind-blowing. He's a professional. I was, I was He's like, on watch... television. You know what, Sherlock, <laughs> when the words are flying around? That was like... <laughs> Watson, Greece, and Gladio. They start with the same letter. It's a clue. <laughs> I just turn the camera to my beautiful mind board with all the red string. <laughs> I will. Okay. I'll tell a very yeah. quick anecdote. When I was in Greece um, and we had to take like the basic uh, Greek language classes and our Greek teacher did say like it's Elas with an E like, or whatever the, the Greek E is. And like, that's the name. And then she says without like completely seriously, um, Greece is actually not a Greek word. It's the Turkish word for slave. <laughs> like, <laughs> we like, literally cool. all thought that and i happen to be she doesn't even wait with this one turkish guy from ohio and he's just like that's not true he's like what are you talking about <laughs> and then we would just repeat that for like months afterwards oh like, <laughs> what greek people would repeat lies about the turks no, no. <laughs> we'd be like oh wow that was really interesting you know that greece is wait, like, so means turkish for slave Elas isn't the name of the country well, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, like yeah. like Greece is that's dominant. Me, that's two on me. names of the me. country. Yeah, it kind of sounds like the a uh, lie a dog might say. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, what was the ethnicity of this teacher? There is you? though, like whenever you see Greek Secret class Turk. names with the O G L U ending, the Turkish like the Turkish mm -hmm. Oglu ending, that yeah. is a signifier of that they were like like second class citizens within right. like anatolia and in, in, in turkey and whatnot so you'll meet like i mean i don't know how many you people you've you've met but why are we talking about greece <laughs> she would have just replaced <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i'm sure the teachers would just say that they call it that because uh it greece is turkey's greece it is considered the greece yeah. yeah it's just just the little um i was about to say what remnants, if greece the uh the liquid the fluid that comes out of turkey is greece it means hello and goodbye in Greece, a beautiful language. Uh, okay, we're talking about Greece because um, it's very important and because a lot of the dynamics, even if they're better known, all the Gladio stuff in Italy and in France, uh, it kind of happened in Greece earlier. It was the first battlefield of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. It's the reason Tito and Stalin split. Uh, Winston Churchill Be makes many megalomaniacal just doing evil stuff again um it's a great place to start like at like yeah. as a first proper country because it's going to set a lot of the dynamics for everything going forward especially you also hear this argument sometimes that like nato was like a defense from western like western europe's reaction to like the berlin blockade or uh the communists coming to power in czechoslovakia in 48 
And it's like, what if I just ruin that all for no, you? No, they were. Yeah. They were <laughs> let's take a little. Let's turn back the clock a few years. Yeah. You know, I'm into I'm into to NATO's demo tape area uh, era, which is um yeah Back fire were- firebombing Greece when they technically weren't an organization yet. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, um, this is going to be probably just like a historic overview of what happened in Greece from like the end of World War II, at least from the Greek perspective, uh, and then up until. Up until really like the seventies, but like put a little button on the nineties. We'll mention some shit that happens. 90s. I even would make the argument that up until the financial crisis, this stuff has like been very influential. With, of course, how but we have to have a stop point, which is at least you know uh, 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 easy to to navigate and monitor and to stop ourselves. So yeah, the podcast yeah. has to stop eventually. Yeah, Does due it- to physics, it can't keep going, or it will never get out. And then no one can hear it. Um, we got to talk about 2015 because that's the one. My biggest mistake in life is I have a giant Syriza tattoo on my back <laughs> for that like <laughs> two month period <laughs> where it looked like they were going to completely uh, stoke global revolution. Anders is getting into the Google Doc now to add an additional four pages. I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a Greek uh, Orthodox icon of Jesus, but it's actually Alexei Tsipras. <laughs> you think that's stupid? Think about my Passock tattoo from 1981. <laughs> Riding high, everything is going to be great. It's the future, baby. Mild social democracy. We can do it. Um, yeah, if you want that content, I think it's regular Cornish baby feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, where we just tattoo each other. <laughs> where we just talk about German rap and mention. Yeah. No, I, I want. I do want to say one thing before we begin because okay. there's been a lot of Greek. You know, our rich cultural understanding of Greece has yeah. been has been on display thus far. The Disney Hercules movie, food, democracy, the That's Parthenon, yeah. <laughs> and. This was all basically <laughs> an American psyop to confuse us from the fact that Greece is actually Balkan. Yes, they have. They were the same as the as the Yugos, as Yugoslavia, as Albania. They had communist partisans, and then it wasn't so much they have to stop anti-communism. The Americans just could not let out the secret that Greece was actually Balkan. Yeah, yeah Greece is simultaneously like Balkan and Turkish, which was something that then was too powerful, too for, powerful for the rest of the world. But let's, uh, like, let's. I think we should get the ball rolling of, yeah. of you know, kind of laying out the fact of where and when Greece starts turning its head in the sense of, like, you know, um, the U.S. and the West position to fascism. I would argue Greece, even before World War II, becomes kind of this interesting example of a country that then has a fascist leader that ideologically is very identical to like Mussolini, maybe like maybe not Hitler. They, but, they introduced the the Roman salute. Yeah. Like the, yeah. yeah. Like there is there. Uh, uh, um, so Yorios uh, 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 Metaxas, who was a general, comes to power in the 30s in Greece and has uh we have to remember too that then greece is like quasi independent at this time after getting their independence once from the from you know uh ottoman empire ottoman empire and then again more or less kind of has where we're under british rule uh directly or indirectly depending on how you see it um 
Metaxas came in the 30s with this idea of a very blood and soil, you know, I mean, yeah, Greece, blood and soil nationalism is very much still a thing within the culture. Um, but we invented was, democracy. We're so proud of it. Let's never use it again. <laughs> yeah. And so after the uh, like after their split from the Ottoman Empire, after after, you know, uh, uh, World War One, the British have it pretty much as a client state and kind of let Greece do what they want as long as they are obedient to the British crown and to the British economy. And they can kind of like, you know, they put a lot of people who um, are still in power actually today in Greece in the forefront of, you know, politics within the country. So the very first president of Greece, um, Eleftherios uh, uh, Venizelos, who if you ever go to Athens airport, the airport's named after him, is literally the direct lineage to the current prime minister, uh, um, Kyriakos Mitsotakis. They're from yeah. a similar family. So Metaxas comes in the 1930s with this brand of fascism being very pro-Hitler, being very, being very pro-Mussolini, but the Brits are like, just, you know, say that you're lying to us. We don't care. You know, we're fine with your fascism. Just show that you are aligned to us. If, you know, things, you know, pushed like comes to shove yeah. with this Germany thing, you know, because it's 1936, you know, things are heating up in Czechoslovakia. Metaxas is like, sure, fine, whatever. I'll do what you say, King. Literally, the, yeah. the king of <laughs> go off, king of England. <laughs> so, um, and then comes, uh, like you know, the timeline of the stuff of then, like, like you know, the Alki vote, Metaxas dies, invasion of, yeah. of, 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 you know, I just want to, I just want before we, before we leave too much of the Metaxas era and like British being like super in bed with like fascist Greece, it's worth pointing out that, um, for anyone paying attention at home, the recently dead. Uh, Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's husband, uh, is from the Greek monarchy. Um, Ooh, exotic. That's That's why his skin looks so good. That's why his skin (laughs) looks so good. That's why he turned very brown towards the end. Yeah, well, a lot of them don't use sunscreen. They use olive oil. And that's what happened with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I cook in the sun. Um, yeah. So the the the, uh, the the connection between the British and the German crown, actually, because King Otto was the yeah. uh, the, the head of, of the, the Greek state. They all fucking and, a big pile. Yep. Yeah, Greece has always kind of been in a limbo state. Of, I've, I've argued on the podcast that Greece has never really been independent, but that's just me being dumb. But I'm also right. Hmm. And... Um, so World War II happens. Greece ends up becoming a, um, you know, major uh, kind of turning point for the sense of the beginning of pushing back. Like the, the Italians got fucking murdered. The Italians yeah. never won a battle in all of World War II. Yeah. I mean, Greece is the example of Mussolini's Italy being completely farcical because it's a country relatively close to Italy. Like it's a, it's. Yeah. It's a 20 minute boat ride basically from the heel of the boot <laughs> and they couldn't take Greece yeah. and the Germans and Aztecs <laughs> come in and take Greece. Did you know that they were, uh, this is a little side thing about World War II in Greece, that the, the German paratroopers were fucked up so much on Crete that they never used them again? Yeah. Really? They them in as like an at like as a as a first fleet of like as a because as they whatever, were just murdered as like a commando thing yeah because like a bunch of Greek peasants just like got arms and just murdered the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, which uh, Frank <laughs> ruined, just... ruined parachutes for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> so paratroopers um, took on a complete different role in in the German military. Like unlike the so the U.S. military used them as like a special forces thing. I, yeah. I like the idea of I'm very slowly descending to this Greek pastoral landscape. Oh look, some of the villagers have come to greet us with um, guns and bayonets, and uh, I can't move this parachute in any direction. I'm just landing into the guns and bayonets. <laughs> yeah. So it was really how D Day was just the exact opposite. All the villagers were like, okay. Yeah, sure. In France. Um, Yeah, so World War II happens in Greece, obviously. There was, um, you know, kind of just running through it very quickly. Greece was occupied by the Nazi government. Greece has this hilarious thing that then collaboration was not rampant, which is hilarious because there was a lot of collaboration. And we'll get to that. Hmm. Um, But the, uh, yeah, it was under Nazi control. Uh, One of the biggest examples of, of like the Holocaust entirely wiping out an entire group, like the entire population of Jews Hmm. in a, um, in a city is the Jewish population of uh, what is now modern day uh, Thessaloniki, mm-hmm. where I believe like 98 or 99 percent of the Jewish population was completely murdered. Yeah. Uh, it was, and, yeah. And I mean, a quick side note uh, one of the people overseeing this was yeah. one quote Waldheim, who was what president of the what do they have, secretary general of the UN, right? Yep. And then ran for was president of Austria. Yep. And this was all a secret during the campaign, it was like. You no, know, he like did the Holocaust, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he yeah. still won. Never came up. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one. Yeah, well, wasn't important. He was one of the military people in Thessaloniki. What the fuck do you think happened? Yeah. yeah. So simultaneously, too, within then, um, you know, this whole World War II thing that happened uh, in that is that a lot of political tensions then start developing within the resistant movement that then kicked the Nazis out in 1944. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry, 1943. It's worth pointing out that Greece is one of basically three countries that liberates itself from fascists, like does it themselves rather than relying on a foreign army to do it. And part uh, of that, if I just interject here, but in 41, uh, the EAM was like kind of a nationalist, not necessarily a bad way, but a national liberation uh, front that was against the Nazis, but also against the national liberation front. Yeah. Yeah. They're against the the Greek monarchy. And because of that, Churchill um, not only didn't want to help them, but I think instructed British soldiers to like fuck them up or like make sure they don't take power in some way with, uh, would they have gotten independence earlier? You think from the Nazis or fought off the Nazis earlier? If uh, the Brits had been on the right side of history there. I mean, I don't, I don't probably doesn't. Yeah, doesn't really, I don't know. A yeah. good, a, a good comparison point actually is maybe Bulgaria because this is yeah the last piece of the Balkan exodia. Um, they also had a pretty strong partisan movement. I guess um, it was like a weird sequence of events where the Soviet Union declared war and then the king like switched allegiance and then the partisans like declared a coup and then the Red Army came into Sofia, the capital. Like that all happened in like a two week period, but that was the yeah. sequence. And uh, the UK was offering support to the Bulgarian communists, but like at an arm's length too, because they're like, we don't, we don't want you to yeah. do that well. Yeah, they There's were the story uh, of E.P. Thompson's older brother, who was 23, uh, volunteered for the British Army because he was like, you know, he wanted to fight fascism, even though he was in the Communist Party, and 
was one of the paratroopers who went into Bulgaria and was captured and killed. Um, there's like a square in the capital named after him. And people think like Churchill sent in the communist paratroopers specifically to like kind of get Die. fucked up. Yeah. There, so um, back to Greece then, though, at this point. No, no, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think that that's a good point of the sense of like that Greece, yeah, Greece is the only, what is one of three countries that then liberates itself. The thing that's actually incredibly interesting with it as well is that there is an undercurrent of like political problems happening in Greece leading up to this. You have to imagine too that then for the last 20 years, Greece is affected by a massive quote unquote refugee crisis of the Greek genocide from Turkey, where millions of people flood into the country who are seen as second-class citizens who primarily joined the Communist Party in areas like Piraeus, Athens, stuff like that. You know, Athens actually gets built up as a city at this time. Like, mm-hmm. Athens before 1920 is, Ancient. like, like 5,000 people, you know? Yeah. So Greece is having a lot of, like, you know, political turmoil that then is developing from this sense of you have pretty much yeah a far right and a far left that have been at odds for some time world war ii happens they band together kick the nazis out and then immediately afterwards in 1943 kicks into the first part of the civil war which is um you know yeah the 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 right and the left going at it of who will then be in control of greece yeah. now that the nazis are out and you have figures then like that form of the eam the e uh, uh e ELS and the KKE, which are all pretty much just uh, so the, the the EAM is the military wing of yeah. no EAM is the political wing yeah. of the like partisans yeah. the EL ELS ELS, which perfectly fits into the fact that it is the name of Greece yeah. as well is the national liber is the uh, yeah, national liberation wing. front so the military it's actually Turkish for slave. Exactly. <laughs> the KKE is in the other, like the, you know, obviously the, the Communist Party of Greece. Yeah. That is the over kind of, you know, branching thing that then brings all these things together are then taking on then the, you know, right wing Metaxas forces who are just kind of like left over from the, you know, uh, uh, the dictatorship that ended right before World War, you know, two kind of takes off in the country. Yeah. So you have a lot of very interesting characters that kind of come into this who are incredibly militaristic in the left. You mentioned the sense of like this nationalist left wing ideology that then I would probably compare to something like what we see later in like third world mm-hmm. uh, IRA, and stuff like that. And the yeah. IRA, you have figures like um, PLO. even. Yeah. Uh, one of my personal favorites of uh, Aris Felichiotis, who is just like the Che Guevara of Greece, like an absolute king. There's just a bunch of pictures of him with just like, like just bullets like all around him, you know, like on his like like um, strapped on his shoulders, bandolier, big emotional speeches, <laughs> and kind of like he wants a nat- like he wants a liberated Greece under them the Greek flag. And is then captured by the right wing forces and decapitated, which was a very strong method of execution at this time. So when World War II ends, though, Greece comes under this period of, you know, it's very unstable. Yeah. Yeah, But they have to end the civil war and kind of just like, you know, brush it under the rug and the British really want the crown to be reinstated because remember, Greece before the war is a, you know, British subject and Greece after the war still remains a British subject. And so then they have a vote to determine if it remains within that the Greek crown remains intact 
or if then Greece can then become a democratic country, yeah. which the British don't want because the Communist Party in 1945 has a membership of what is it? you said two of every what seven people or two somewhere? out of every seven uh, uh, two out of every seven people. Uh, uh, the organization had two million people in a country of seven million people. Which uh, in a country as well that like a couple million already left or died because of yeah. the first wave of the civil oh, war. Oh, like a lot of people died. God, you could fill out a lot of forms. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's it's the situation where like um like halfway through all this, like World War II ends a lot earlier in Greece. Like they kicked the fascists out in 43. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and this is when like the Nazis are basically in retreat. Um uh, and by this point as well, Mussolini's Italy has collapsed. Um, so like, you know, things are on the up, um, but Churchill due to his anti-communism is like working with, um, the term I have is the Hellenic army, which are like the non-communist partisans who are, it's it's this, like the thing of that, every title of these things that then comes up of like the Hellenic army and other organizations that are of the government are still the exact same organizations that then exist in modern Greece. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. So the formations of the Greek state happen at this time and the British back the what they see as the legitimate Greek state, and then the formations of you know mostly upset communists and upset workers who feel that I mean like because during this time as well, not only comes in the sense of like that the British take over, but because Greece is where it is in Europe politically, economically, everything like that comes into the sense of that then being not only just this the subject like this quote like quasi colonial subject quasi independent subject but also in the sense that then the greek economy is still like you know workers are trying to organize and stuff like that and the british start then trying to do things that are very anti-worker very anti-union obviously of course a very anti-communist yeah which um again remember not the over a good portion of the population is sympathetic to the people who've been fighting in the mountains yeah you know liberating the country and then like at the same like there was also like reports done that like 75 percent of like all greek children were like malnourished yeah and things like that like it was it was a really fucking it was like syria it like was at its like peak I think yeah. that's like the big like the, the easiest comparison is that greece between 1943 to 1949 is comparable and this, to- and this is before they invented baklava <laughs> this I'm, is before yeah. to solve this right. problem yeah, after really, that, they're good. Baklava was invented to feed children. They all yeah. died because it's all just like sugar and pistachio. <laughs> British groups were handing out baklava to children. Yeah. It was still wrapped in the... It's that food. scene from Band of Brothers where they give the like little Dutch kid a thing, but it's just like heaps and heaps and heaps of baklava. Um, but put like, some of that meat from the, uh, the shooting <laughs> thing on it, too. Hand it to them and say, you meet the Albanians. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Turks are your enemy. Um, okay, so this this kind of leads to like two things that I want to touch upon before we get into the Civil War proper, uh, which is, um, like we said, Churchill kind of like the British were backing the EAM initially, but then like halfway through, they become very afraid of the fact that like Greece is going to become communist after the war. Yeah. Of like all the major Western leaders, Churchill is the most anti-communist. The man spent his spare time writing, you know, alt history fiction about how it would be so great if the South won the Civil War. Uh, <laughs> we have to emphasize like absurdly anti-communist. Oh God, yeah, like this is this is yeah, yeah, yeah. His, him and his like this level of evilness and his obsession with like alt history does make me think it's just evil Anders. But like, <laughs> <laughs> um. But okay, so 
Obsessed like, we with can't work we can't work with the communists anymore, so I need to find another partisan group to work with. He then finds the ultra-fascist Organization X. Hell yeah. As I'm going to call them from now on Project X. <laughs> Jesus, sure. Won't be confusing at all. Do we uh, know what the X stands for? A real fucking... No, nothing. Treasure. Nothing. Pop uh, quiz, hotshot. X marks the spot. Oh, no. <laughs> 10. Project 10. Because yes, This is Greece, 10. right? It's Greece. You're thinking of Roman numerals. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) X just a letter. Um, There's Greek numerals. Is there Greek numerals? They refuse any. What are they? I don't know. They refuse (laughs) Arabic greatness. Um, But. Uh, so organiz- just, uh, sorry, just I'm imagining my dad just be like, you know, Nick, the uh, the, the Greeks invented numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, organization X. We get back to this. Uh, Project X. This is like the ultra fascist uh, uh, population, like partisans of Greece. They're they're uh, they're incredibly small, but like incredibly influential. Six hundred troops. Yeah, yeah. six hundred people in their group, as opposed as opposed to like the ELAS is like two million. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this is like an evil high school yeah. going against them <laughs> in terms a, of numbers. Just a quick <laughs> anecdote. I know Churchill. Uh, it sounds like something he would have thought of because he demanded that the missions and projects have cool sounding names because he had to tell the families of the fallen soldiers what mission their son died in. So he yeah, can't be like, killed, but your son got killed, but it was by the, this is going to sound really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Organization X. Yeah. That fucking badass? Right. And they'd be okay with it. Cause before that they were just like doing random, uh, <laughs> like project thimble or something like that, that, Sorry, old boy, you lost your daughter and Project Poppin' stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Son was tortured to death by mindless (laughs) self-indulgence. Yeah, yeah. So this this is this this group is founded by George Grievous. He'll come back later as someone like who we'll talk about Cyprus later a little bit. But like General Grievous. General Grievous, basically. He's as bad as he sounds. Yeah, he has four (laughs) lives. but then Churchill realizes that like Project X, Organization X, fuck, is uh is basically dead on arrival because it's six hundred people versus two million of like full blown Nazis. Oh yeah, also people who were like a hundred percent collaborators. Yeah, they were collaborators like five minutes ago. They're only against the Nazis now because it's like very obvious they're well, because they don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. in the country. Thing that's so funny is that thing because this happens like way later too in Greek in Greek like like as I mentioned earlier of that then Greece is a very interesting method of remembrance of this that that collaboration was low or non-existent yeah but the people who collaborated end up becoming so fucking influential in this country it is stupid and I wonder who did that <laughs> because <laughs> Churchill then makes another organization uh, with a bit more. Uh, um, Chutzpah, uh, which is um, the LOK or the Hellenic Raiding Force. I think I'm just going to call them the LOK or LOK for now on. Yeah. Um, this is this is still today the special forces of Greece. Yeah, this is like the 101st Airborne of Greece now. They actually got awarded Green Berets by the Americans before the Green Berets were invented. Fucking nerds. Uh, so like this is this is the progenitor to the Green Berets. And most of these are made up of Organization X people who realize that Organization X is a bit of a shit party. 
Um, not- oh, we will see too that then like far right organizations just continuously pour into pour into other like you know no spoilers but new democracy the governing party of Greece may be one of these down the road. Oh, a hundred percent. And but most yeah, Gladio never ended, baby. But most of the people in this organization are like Greek exiles or expats, people who were like thrown to the four winds by the initial invasion, if I remember correctly, who'd mostly set up in like British territories in the Mediterranean, which back back then would have been like Cyprus, uh, like Palestine, uh, Egypt, places like that, which are not too far from Greece. And then they're just kind of rearmed and put back into the mix. And this is what's stronger. This is the beginning of like your stay behind in Greece. Because once the Nazis are kicked out, they basically begin training the LOK to, here's what happens if the Soviets invade, because we're very paranoid about this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I feel like in Greece, there's the added, the added element of like active partisans. So it's, yeah, what, well, what the, the, the eternal gladio excuse that, no, 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 this is just if the Soviets invade. But can actually be all dissent, all communist activity, all even vaguely yeah. left wing activity, yeah. which yeah. is in Greece pushed to its extreme because it's like will actively it's it's like the mass movement of the country unless you know there is yeah there are still networks at this time of like you know secret I mean I, I mean I mean secret or not but the networks of then the military that then exist or no, not the military well, I guess it technically was the military. Um, of the communist you know force that then could potentially be, be dangerous to the west is very much still intact at this point to the sense that then churchill has to actually come at the table and make a negotiation with them which then uh involves the disarmament of the uh, uh, of els or elas and uh ends up with elas disarming and the military not because that was the other yeah. part of the argument was then that they would also you know disarm and that they would then you know start from scratch in the sense of building up a democratic Greece or you know apparently yeah. and one of the reasons why like the LOK and Organization X are like so ineffective back in the day at actually fighting the Nazis is because they were even when like the British started like working with them they were so preoccupied with just like kidnapping members of the EAM and murdering them like people who are also fighting you can't yeah, let yeah. these passion projects get in the way of your goal yeah <laughs> and i mean like the thing that then becomes like the like symbol of that war is like a cleaver for like decapitating people like, yeah that was the main method of execution in greece was you know, so kidnapping people decapitating them yeah, yeah. so uh, but then hang on i before we move on to the civil war I do want to talk about uh, um, kind of like a catalyst of that. The, uh, um, what I have here is the Decembrina. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. just about to mention that. Go yeah. for it. Go for it. Yeah. So in 1944, December of 1944, there's obviously a lot of political unrest within Greece and a bunch of trade unionists then take to the streets of Athens, you know, protesting yep. as workers be doing. And Churchill just kind of like low key loses his shit and uh, orders the LOK to uh, fire upon the protesters and murders 26 people, 28, yeah. 28 people. Uh, that ends up be kind, uh, ends up becoming this 
unwanted catalyst into then a second civil war. Yeah. This is, uh, I believe the command given to shoot at these protesters was um, shoot the bastards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ooh, and- uh, I don't know if that sounds like his voice. <laughs> it, it was based on him in Jurassic Park when they did that scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also like, it's particularly grim because the protesters they shoot are a bunch of people like, the protest all starts at these different points, but they're all going to meet at this one square. St. Dagmar Square, like, which is in front of the Greek Parliament. Parliament. Yeah, the, yeah. the big center square. Yeah. yeah. They're all going to meet there, but they're all coming from different points. So it's the group that arrives there first uh, uh, is shot upon. And then when every other group from different routes starts arriving, they just stand there in silence amongst the corpses. And it's just like really fucking grim. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a big, um, not to detour from Greece, but it was a big, um, little bit of a PR disaster for Churchill back yeah. home. Uh, I mean, the war is still going on and, you know, th- there was still like, oh, you know, we fought alongside with the, the Greeks to, to defeat the Nazis. And they hadn't gotten the memo yet from Churchill, which is that, no, no, no. I think everyone They're also forgets that then when World War II ends, Churchill's no longer the prime minister mm-hmm. of the UK. Yep, he was he was he, he lost. He was horribly unpopular mm. during yeah, World yeah, yeah. War II. <laughs> but he like during this time he orders like uh, he orders the BBC to ne- to basically never mention the EAM when talking about Greece. You're not allowed to mention that they're the ones actually like fighting the Nazis. You have to say it was like these other groups or it was us. Um, the man was like deeply concerned. There's a lot of good records of like conversations between him. Stalin. Who was the who was the American president who dies right before Roosevelt? the Roosevelt? Roosevelt. Yeah, because Roosevelt and Stalin like got on like a house on fire, uh, and Churchill was just like <laughs> against the idea of like killing Nazis, basically, uh, um, like Nazi generals. Yeah, I, I have this in front of me. Uh, this is an entry from Churchill's doctor's diary in August '44. Okay. So this is a few months before um, the massacre in in Greece, which is Winston never talks of Hitler these days. He's this is the middle, in the middle of World War II. Yeah. He is always hard on the dangers of communism. He <laughs> dreams of the Red Army spreading like a cancer from one country to another. It has become an obsession, and he seems to think of little else. Imagine, like, so August 1944 is just as the UK is going into one of the dumbest military operations of World War II. Like... That's king shit. <laughs> like, yeah, you fucking like the British led Operation Market Garden like a month later, which was a complete fucking waste of time, money, lives and energy. What is that? It was the it was the idea of then creating a bridge of like through like paratroopers into Berlin or in, into Germany through the Netherlands that they weren't expecting the Germans to just be like heavily fortified in a country that they'd been in for five years. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah, and it was led by the British and it was a horrible failure that ended up with one of like the largest losses of British troop in like modern history. Churchill also wanted to invade Yugoslavia like after, <laughs> after Italy because they, he because he, he, he didn't want Yugoslavia to be communist and yeah. Roosevelt overruled them and they invaded southern France to like help the supply lines for again because of what this is just a couple months after D-Day. Yeah. Um, well, it makes me wonder because uh, I think it was 45. Um, Churchill gets voted out by labor and you have like sort of a left wing government for the first time in in uh, Britain. And it makes me wonder, like if he had stayed in for the because he ends up back five years later or something. Uh, but if he had stayed in, would he have tried to fucking do more anti-communist bullshit or something against the Soviets? Yeah, possibly. 
the man the man was deeply deeply unwell. Oh, he was incredibly deranged. Like it, it's worth pointing out that like if people don't know listening to this podcast, like Churchill's opposition to Nazism was purely tactical, not ideological. Right. In his diary about how he thought like Hitler was dope until like 1936 or whatever. Yeah, right. He, well, like a ton of the American ruling class and a lot of Western Europe were dragged kicking and screaming to fighting the Nazis. It was and it, it really is an, a completely anomalous war uh, for all of American history, you know, that we would actually be against the right wing. There's a lot of retconning in that specific regard with the Nazis. Yeah, it was a monstrous person that basically the entire world agrees is a monstrous person, except for the English uh, and the Americans. Yeah, I mean, but they can't even convince the Dulleses lo- loved Hitler. Yeah, yeah. I think the, I uh, mentioned this last episode, but uh, Foster Dulles cried in a meeting when he found out he lost his German clients in 1930-something <laughs> <laughs> because he wasn't allowed to praise Hitler at work events anymore. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the, the the street next to the the Bundestag, the Parliament here in Berlin, is John Foster Dulles. <laughs> oh, I just no. smile every time I bike yeah. past it. <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful. And then I had to fly out of his airport a few weeks ago with uh, the Devil's chessboard on me. That's, that's king oh. shit. You'd think they would search you for that, Junior? Yeah, uh, before, they did, but they're like, "Oh, this must be about how great he is, or something." Before we leave the uh, the the night, December forty four massacre, um, this is just an illustrative example. Uh, we, we can put the links in the in, in the show notes. But there's a there's a good Guardian like investigative uh, piece for the seventieth anniversary of this. Um, Athens. I'll just read it. Athens, nineteen forty four, Britain's dirty secret. When twenty eight civilians were killed in Athens, it wasn't the Nazis who were to blame. It was the British, and it goes into it. Before it starts. There's a little italics bit that says, this article is the subject of a column by the reader's editor. And when you click on that, you get one of those bullshit guardian faces staring at you that says uh, the editor has to comment on it. And it says the strong allegation that British troops fired on demonstrators was based on recollections, but recounted as fact. Okay. <laughs> at about that about sums it up. <laughs> yeah, the liberal paper there running interference for... Uh, yeah, big green. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For they big... say if Jeremy Corbyn had been there, he definitely would have uh, shot some people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Corbyn up in Greek bodies left and right, according mm. to you know <laughs> government. But um, yeah, so back on track to where we are. So civil war. war ends. We're all happy. Greece isn't happy. Political turmoil. They can't seem to get a government together. They can't seem to figure out what they want to fucking do. And then Greece just hops right back into a second civil war <laughs> two years oh. after, three years after the uh, uh, the civil war ends in 1945. And in 1947, we're back at it, baby. But this changes slightly because the UK is entirely bankrupt from Woo. World War II. And the uh, the British kind of don't give a shit about Greece anymore. They're not going to be sending weapons, military, you know, assistance, whatever it is to, uh, you know, or even like organizational or like consulting bullshit to the country anymore. Yeah, and my impression is they got pretty bad rap by this point. Like, yeah. <laughs> People didn't like when we shot the women and children. No. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who steps up? But Uncle Sam himself. That's right. Uh Harry Truman, like the like literally the Truman Doctrine comes from not just like some like ideological nonsensical bullshit. It comes from the sense of the Greek Civil War, where um, the 
British more or less hand over, like, I would argue that, that this is the beginning of the U.S. I mean, the U.S. is always an imperial project, of course, if you look at things like the Monroe Doctrine. Sure. But this is where the U.S. takes on its role of becoming the kind of perfect. Um, the puppet master. Yeah, but yeah, the, the perfect puppet master of modern imperialism that then is is very like quasi like gives the impression of being hands off. Right. Of, this is for the the well-being of the people. And this happened like the Truman Doctrine then takes us into the sense of of, of being um, its, its main point, obviously, of the fight against communism and so on, so on and so forth. You know, Truman makes a big speech uh, in March of 1947, declaring it's the United States' duty to preserve democracy, so on, so on and so forth. The Marshall Plan then is extent is is announced in uh, two months later. Wait, no, uh, four months later. I can't count. Whatever. Yeah, in the, June, the CIA formally uh, founded in September of that year. So what? Another three months later. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, Truman, yeah. Truman, he kicks it off. Yeah. So you have then the thing of like the U.S. starts building up its pieces of its imperial networks. And this is uh, and it really becomes covert here. And this is like right after EIM yeah. in Greece. I mean, Truman's talking about, you know, democracy is really just code for anti-communism when they're forbidden from even running in elections in Greece, right? So it's yeah. blatant hypocrisy. And Truman, because um, the OSS has just been dissolved, and Truman is really skeptical of the CIA. And he says, that's a bad idea to have a undemocratic, no democratic checks on this secret bureaucracy. But And after the fact, he says that too, that the CIA should be abolished in like the 50s and 60s. But then he he falls for it. He gets pressured and he's weak willed with the among the all the fervent anti-communists in his inner circle. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing that then becomes really interesting at this point as well with the US positioning itself as the new, you know, kind of you know, game game maker, global game hegemon, changer, yeah. whatever the fuck yeah, global hegemon is the is the proper word for it. <laughs> but um the U.S. kind of does a similar platform that, like, yeah, like, like, like we've said before, that that it becomes more covert, but it comes in the sense of that then um, this like financial aid with the sense of the Marshall Plan, the Communist Party is more or less gutted, so on and so forth. But there's still these agreements that then Churchill and Stalin made that are left over from the first end of the Civil War, and that then G- Greece, Bulgaria, and I think Albania, Albania yeah. are on the table to be split up, not in like a Germany situation of like East West, whatever, but then that like, they're going to redraw the borders and just kind of give it to that country. So Greece is 90, 10, right? Yeah. If I'm not, I mean, I should know this. I did a, yeah, I did was, my thesis yeah. on this. 90% <laughs> of Greece is going to, to the British and then yeah. 10% of it will go to the Soviet union. hundred percent goes to Bulgaria. hundred percent of Bulgaria goes to the Soviet union. And then, you know, whatever the other things, but that's like, it doesn't, it doesn't fully happen, but it kind of happens yeah. in the sense that all of Greece goes under Western control. All of Bulgaria, Bulgaria becomes under the Soviet influence. Yeah. But this kind of relates to what we talked about in the first episode of like why Stalin doesn't interfere intervene in the civil war to support the elas because it's to not renege on this deal yeah because he, he, he continues not to support in it even in 1947 uh when the civil war kicks off again to the point that then you know the true king comes in comes through and starts giving the communists uh weapons which is tito, tito. because he understands to rob yeah. the, uh, the uh the <laughs> 
the uh, the Balkan spirit of Greece is alive and well. And yes. Tito knows that then the the partisans who there was like the reason why that this happens is because one of the first allies that Greece had, like the Greek communists obviously had, were then through supply lines they had between the, the partisans of like Tito's partisans. They had relations already with them. Stalin denied any weapon shipments uh, to the point that then actually the Greek communist party in their like very strict, you know, this is 1947. This is end of World War II. Stalin's, you know, living his best life. The KKE actually formally denounces people who are then in the Civil War as being like Trotskyists and stuff like that. Mm. And you end up having then a split that is in the left. Surprise, surprise. That then obviously ends like in with the kind of downfall of Greek communism when you get to 1949 of that. You have one part, the head of the KKE ends up like moving to Moscow at this time because of, you know, not wanting to be associated with being within the country at the time. And it's been like a labor camp and all this other weird stuff. And then um, publications of the KKE calling out yeah, anyone, like I said, like as a communist, but then also the military wing of these groups go to the UN during this time in 1947, declaring a humanitarian crisis and that they're purposely staying out of elections because they feel that then that it's a sham from the United States. And they're entirely right because this is the, you know, again, like Marshall plans coming, covert stuff's coming, this and that and that. And then 1949, Oh yeah, you want okay, you can explain that then first, and I'll get to the, the end of the Civil okay, War. Okay, yeah, the end of the Civil War. Uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Operation Torch, uh, just real brief, which is the American operation where they drop napalm uh, onto like a whole host of Greek people. And what also, year was this? Forty nine. Forty nine. Wow, it's the first napalm ever in like human history. Yep. Which it's happened. a hit. Yeah, it's a <laughs> they love it. The Greeks, you know, they take onto it like uh, like, a, like they were back in legs. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, so the first use of napalm, Agent uh, Orange as well, and Agent Orange is is on wow. the the communist controlled part of the of of uh, Peloponnesia at this time, and you have uh, like the communists just in the sense of them they're they're the lack of organization the split obviously between them the left at this point of do we fight or do we obey you know yeah because like tito and alba uh, tito is particularly gung-ho about fighting because he doesn't want fascist greece it leads to the tito stalin split too which is fucking cool Mm -hmm. the fact that greece leads to this is pretty wild (laughs) um but yeah but then so we get to the 1949 and there's a little cool organization that then happens to magically form around this time as well. That is NATO. Yep. And NATO is a direct response to the fact that then that the Greek civil war happened, that the West responded to it in these like quasi covert, quasi in the sense of pretending humanitarian military and aid, military aid. And it formalizes itself in 49 with the first member states. Greece is part of the second round of member states with Turkey. And uh, Kieran has a lovely uh, uh, NATO quote. Yeah, okay, so this is something I want to bring up, though, because when NATO is formed, and this is how it really all ties into Gladio and everything, and like NATO's uh, hand in this, because um, the LOK, like we said earlier, was formed earlier than NATO. So NATO basically picks up those pieces and starts funding them and training them exactly in like stay behind army ways of like good job fighting the communist partisans keep that up and also we're going to give you a bunch of like 
weapons buried in the in the hills and the brush that you can dig up and you can hire all these different people and stuff like that. This was reported very early on in like the 90s of the original Gladio revelations by an Irish journalist called uh, um, Peter Murtaugh. Uh, um, he, he was there during the Civil War. He, he covered a lot of this. And he he's very much proves that like they were, uh, the LOK were not taking their orders from like the Greek government. Essentially, they were taking it from what's called the ACC, which I believe is the, uh, um, Allied Coordination Council, which was in Brussels, that becomes NATO. Uh, uh, it starts being like it's all in the same like meetings as what's happening in Italy with Gladio, what's happening in Belgium with SDRAH, and things like that. It all becomes a part of this operation. But like, how can we trust this one Irish journalist? Right? I didn't <laughs> think could read and write. Well good thing we have verification of this force from another bullshit CIA memoir in this in this series drink whenever a CIA agent tells you everything he shouldn't because he wanted to write a book um, Philip Agee writes the book Dirty Work the CIA in Europe where he basically confirms everything Peter Murtaugh is writing about three years before Peter Murtaugh writes about it uh, in 1987, when Gladio was still supposedly a secret, <laughs> uh, they love doing this. <laughs> Cannot stress it enough. <sighs> so we're in 1949. Greece freed yeah. from the <laughs> evils of communism. Yeah, has a king. In case you were like, oh, it's petty to boycott the elections. Like they brought the king back. Like, fuck, <laughs> fuck your elections. You get it? <laughs> Albania and, and Bulgaria were also supporting the, the partisan. So it was it was like this situation where it's like, no, you could just I mean, there was, you know, may, maybe some opening for like, you know, a different state. But uh, nope. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah, wake me up when I'm in. Wake me up when I'm in, you know, uh, 1949 Greece. But it's a communist. It's a perfect yeah. communist. I was actually to be very fair. It probably would have been like one of the most like insanely authoritarian states. <laughs> well, it would have been like Albania. We, you just, would have had a little variety. That's also why I keep bringing up the other Balkan states because it's like they were all four different trajectories from a relatively similar yeah. partisan background where, yeah, literally they all end up in different places. Greece, the most, you know, off to the side, but still. Right. Yeah, well, they, has they, anyone tried an early stage of communist development with a king? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Korea. Good point. <laughs> we're in yeah so we're in you know it's um you know peace yeah. uh reigns supreme over over you know this newly formed nation uh greece if you will yeah. a one a one uh uh, uh Apollopoulos writes the end of history but in greek uh, <laughs> nice yeah the this is your post-civil war era which is when the cia really go in uh, um, the ambassador to Greece at this time is a one uh, John Purifoy, who uh, um, is the ambassador from 50 to 53 when he's then promoted to being the ambassador to Guatemala right before uh, Aha, bitch. that coup happens. Um, in those three years that he was ambassador, he had earned the title of the Butcher of Greece. And still to this day, Purifoy in the modern Greek language means... Uh, someone who's serving foreign politics rather than their own. Um, so yeah, 
word for people at home. The thing that's so funny about this too is that the United States has never formally admitted any of this either, <laughs> yeah. which is fucking sick. Except in a book called Dirty Work, which I, I need to back up here a second. That's a CIA guy, right? A book called Dirty Work. When yeah. did he write that? 87. Oh, so it was, so it was after so the I'm a fool. It's named after a Steely Dan song. Work. That's what I'm getting at. Oh, no. That is just <laughs> insulting. <laughs> at least. They're just dads. He was all these sitting are. in his sunroom one day. A little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, does, is he calling himself a fool then? Yeah, yeah no. He gets, the book is written actually with like him being like, we shouldn't have done any of this. Oh. Uh, like, he's not necessarily bragging in that book, unlike some other CIA memoir books. Memoirs. Has anybody considered Steely Dan may be a code name? <laughs> <laughs> Operation Steely Dan, where we drop big piles of steel on the countryside. No, um, but part of this the got, Bodhisattva network. So, forty-seven to fifty-eight, we set up a CIA office, like an actual headquarters that you can point to, and it says CIA in Greece, in Athens, in the Tamian Building, as it's called. Exactly, and you know, just to this is. You know, there is no timeline here with this. Just the fact that the CIA headquarters in Athens has been. <laughs> oh, yeah. It is amazing. People you know, don't you like know, this building. Shout out. Shout out to the real heads out there. Pretty much like the November 17th organization. Yeah. Who start, I think there's even one occasion of them firing an RPG at it, <laughs> which mean, is amazing. Which also makes you wonder how cocky they were to just be out in the open. Like, yeah, <laughs> we know this is going to keep happening. We don't care. We're having it's like a CIA hype house in Athens. They're yeah. just going crazy in there. Oh, it is. Absolutely. But I assume it, it it at least has better construction than NATO. I don't know if you saw Trump's critique of the uh, how the NATO building could just be leveled by one shell. He just said this randomly in a speech. <laughs> King. Oh, God. I, you know what? Uh, it You got you, you know, got to miss him. For miss him. Trump, miss Trump checks the exits in every, every room he walks into. <laughs> you know. <laughs> He's a real estate guy, you know, and he's a roast comic, so that all that tracks perfectly. Talk about it, but okay. So it is though. He is uh, Rob's right. It is a CIA hype house because from the Tamian building in Athens, this is where you get operations to uh, unseat Mossadegh in Iran uh, because it's just like this is your Middle East operations building. Uh, the guy who's in charge of this, uh, Thomas Karamesinis, Karamesinis. Can you can you help you me? You can picture the name. I don't yeah. care. He's American. He's yeah, fine. Thomas Karamesis. Yeah, this is the other thing. CIA Athens staffed with Greek Americans. Oh, if I was, uh, yo, if I was, if I was fucking <laughs> alive, if you were born fifty years. If I was years born in, the, if, if I was born in like nineteen thirty or like nineteen twenties, and I yeah. was like a Greek American, goddamn, I would have had a fucking CIA post, wouldn't I? Yeah. I would have been doing corner spatey, but like you know whatever, like corner Tavana or like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, could have yeah. been the Jason Mansukas of operations. <laughs> yeah, uh, Karames, Karamesinis. I get to voice. I get to voice John. <laughs> voice Dick. <laughs> no one's seen the the Pam and Tommy. No. Oh God. Come damn. on. Oh yeah, he plays the Dick. I've seen. It. I know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry. Right. You don't sound crazy. Karamesinis, though, the oh, right. in, uh, uh, chief in this area. Um, he's there from '58, uh, and then he goes on to do such great things as. Piano Solo, which was the Gladio operation to do a coup in Italy. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure, in another episode. 
um, he mer- he basically tries to um, get Allende to lose the election. Um, he's then fired because he he doesn't get Allende to lose the election in Chile. Uh, but he's he is the one who suggests killing him. Um, mm-hmm. Also is involved in the uh, trying to cover up Watergate, and <laughs> also this man just like fucking collects L's like nobody's man failing upwards because well, actually no he does have one win which he does burn a lot of FBI and CIA documents regarding the kill of JFK yeah um so he's involved in that um, King. He is Greek, so for the for the CIA, he is their professional L taker. Yeah, like, yeah. Go find Harvey Oswald. Figure <laughs> <laughs> out what's going really, on there. This is our ethnic uh, uh, diversity hire. Yeah, he, he fumbles everything. He gets yogurts and all the on the controls. <laughs> I want to mention before we go forward in this period, we go forward as well is that this is a period too that then while Gladio is happening in the background, having actually a lot of influence with. Um, the politics and things like the Marshall Plan being rolled out. Yep. The formation of the modern Greek government comes into play here, which I think we have to kind of address because Greece is one of the dumbest governments in Europe. That is the like, I mean, remember, we were talking about, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, of of political strife between the right and the left. The Communist Party's more or less made illegal at this point. Trade unions are also more or less made illegal as well in order to kind of promote economic prosperity to the sense of we just want to have cheap labor. And you have the formation of a government that then quasi from this, you know, the CIA and American ambassadors telling Greece that if they don't make concessions to what the U.S. wants, they may not be getting money in the future. And so the way that they kind of end up around this is in the sense that in you have an option in the Greek parliament that if you win the majority of votes, you can also then take on more seats. You just get 50, 50 bonus, bonus seats. Seat. And you can yeah. you can you can say no to them if you want. <laughs> no one, why would you do that? Syriza <laughs> did. Oh no. Yeah. Okay, so sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they had a big enough majority, they didn't need yeah. it. But so, like the current government of 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 new democracy obviously took the extra fifty seats. Yep. And you literally have this method of governance put in place to then just you know secure the fact that Greece couldn't hold a parliament for like more than like five months at this point. Yeah. So the the prospects of things that then ends up with you know gladio things kicking up in the background is the fact that. There is a lot of there's still a lot of strife politically in Greece didn't through the just, entirety of the 50s and 60s. Yeah, you didn't just get rid of those two million people who would rather be communists. Like you got rid of some of them and demotivated a lot of them, but they're still there. Um, so this then leads to uh, Greece also becomes the economic miracle of whatever at this point as miracle, well, yeah. which literally means fucking nothing. There are yeah. so many economic miracles in Europe. I feel like that word is being over. You can't yeah. call them all a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this, that's not how miracles work. There's a lot yeah. of GDP growth when you spend all your money just building houses that used to be there. What is like, Greek either for? They're not lucky or they're not achieving a miracle. Yeah, exactly. What is what is Greek for uh, fucking magnets? How do they work? <laughs> and this is when you get the birth of probably the lamest political legacy in world history, the Papandreos, uh, the third of which also failing upward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about one thing, which is this is when you get literally Greek CIA. The uh, uh, CIA of Greece is made. It is called 
basically CIA, KYP, which directly translates as Central Intelligence Agency. Um, but it's Greek, so it's fine. Hmm. Uh, the Greeks actually invented the CIA. Yeah, Greeks actually invented <laughs> Uh, Karen Messonese, uh sets it up and he sets it up in such a way that like they're just directly controlled by the CIA they're not in any like democratic control and nor are they even really in control of the like Greek clientelist government at this point <laughs> the old Karamessonese touch <laughs> we, we got one man for this job <laughs> I own this he just makes it um, and and they're, they're kind of hilarious I do want to talk about one just very funny uh, uh, computer anecdote because this is the point in which they're keeping so much uh, um, so much data on people that, yeah, they had 15 tons of information just like in paper alone about like all their enemies within Greece. There's like 7 million people in this country yeah. at the point. <laughs> no, extensive dossiers on all of them. Because yeah. it, Greece yeah. invented Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> 16, and a half, 16 and a half million individual files for a country with 7 million people. Um, so America, the CIA, sees this problem and gifts Greece their first computer. Um, <laughs> Wait, do you guys immediately North- use to search for anal sex on the internet? No, 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 no. I'll tell you what they did. Greeks legit think they invented the computer and I'll get to that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... This computer, this computer is then received by the KYP, the, the, the Greek CIA. The chief is so like incredibly proud of this. He was so excited uh, um, that he invited a bunch of journalists to do a press event. And he basically he's quoted as saying, you in Greece may sleep peacefully because this marvelous accomplishment accomplishment of American science never sleeps. Uh, uh, whereupon he demonstrates the press. Look, look how easy it is to look up one of the enemies of uh, like the enemies of Greece. And they pull up a random file, and it's one of the journalists in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like covering the event. Greek enemy <laughs> journalist or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, That's either gross incompetence or like an excellent flex. No, that was in there. They seemed embarrassed. Um, but yeah, the, the KYP is just being used to basically spy on Yugoslavia, Bulgaria, any kind of like USSR traffic that comes to that kind of like part of the second world. Um, so 100% in control of uh, um, the CIA, basically. The KYP is like yeah. not its own independent institution by any stretch. I like the fact that then in order for Greeks to understand it, he had to mention the fact that the computer cannot sleep because that would just totally not be true for a normal <laughs> Greek. Yeah, the guy who lugged around all this paper, he slept. Oh boy. I just love the idea of the Greek man being like, I can take this computer on. And when they're sleeping, he's like, ah, I admit to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, say? I can make these jokes. I'm Greek. Are you really? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, for what a- I said about your people. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we have then, you know, uh, all this, all this going on in the background. Greece, like I said earlier at the beginning of this episode, Greece, uh, the characters who then form themselves of the families of modern Greek politics have been in play for only about 80 years. Yeah. I mentioned how like Mitsotakis has a connection to Venizelos, the first president of Greece. Um, sorry, prime minister, I guess, or was he president? It doesn't fucking matter. You know, you know, I guess Greece is a prime minister now. In charge, um, yeah. But 
one of the biggest political dynasties in the 60s forms around, you know, social democracy. You know, we're we're winning. You know, we can maybe make this country better. Uh, the Papa Andreu dynasty begins at this time as well. (laughs) Just a little tidbit of info before we get to the sense of social democracy winning. The conservatives in Greece, okay, politically, like, like, as I mentioned before, too, is that politics in Greece made no sense up until kind of the last few years before this. The parliament is formed around a new method of, like, how elections are done. And you have a bunch of very odd parties that kind of pop up around this time before Papa Andreo. One of them being a party that is literally, it's, it, uh, that is called Greek Rally, which is a neo-fascist party. And then they appear, have a lot of people who are very prominent within the party. And then disappear. And this means nothing to our story, story simply in the fact that then after the military coup, the party that then is formed out of New Rally, mm. which is a fascist, openly fascist party, is drumroll, new, new democracy. democracy. Yeah, new democracy. Yeah. So there is, there is like, like, there's just continuously this reshuffling of parties over and over again. And there is isn't any cohesion really until Papa Andreu becomes prime minister and uh, oh yeah overwhelmingly wins uh, he 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 wins marginally in 1963 then he's challenged and then in 1964 when a new election is held he just just slams it like yeah yeah. and this is like a moderate social democratic party like because the communists have been basically made illegal Um, and naturally this pisses off the United States. This pisses off the KYP. Uh, that doesn't make sense, though, because the CIA loves moderate social democrats. Famously, <laughs> in Italy, in the U.S. There's a great anecdote of President Johnson uh, at the time in the 60s uh, summoning the Greek ambassador to um, get, get him on board with a, 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 a dick measuring contest, basically, to get him on board with dividing Cyprus in half uh, between the two ethnicities, uh, and then when the Ambassador's like, no, we're not going to do that. He's quoted as saying, then listen to me, Mr. Ambassador. Fuck your parliament and your constitution. America is an elephant. Cyprus is a flea. Greece is a flea. If those two fleas continue itching the elephant, they may just get whacked by the elephant's trunk. Whacked good. Uh, um, He meant his dick, obviously, (laughs) at this point. (laughs) A lot of good American dollars to the Greeks, Mr. Ambassador. If your prime minister gives me talk about democracy, parliament and constitution, he, his parliament and his constitution may not last very long. Then what what happens? (laughs) Then what happens? Actually, immediately after this, the ambassador goes back to the embassy, picks up the phone to tell, you know, Papa Andrea what happened. And before he can do that... The NSA interrupts his call, put Johnson back on the phone, and Johnson says, are you trying to get yourself into my bad books, Mr. Ambassador? Do you want me to get really angry with you? That was a private conversation me and you had. Phone goes dead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is the fun thing we're doing to our allies in uh, 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 the 60s. Man, I hate uh- to put my allies in my bad books. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusively uh- for my enemies. The we then get Andreas Pap- uh, Papandreou, who's the son of the current prime minister. The KYP fucking hate him because he studied economics in the states. He 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 like he would talk openly about how NATO was bullshit. Um, he then gets a ministerial role under his daddy's government, which is adorable. Uh, Just want to uh, throw in a quick plug here: his son, yeah. George Papandreou, 
born in St. Paul. Because <laughs> he, uh, he, um, Andreas studied um, or, or was a professor at the U- University of Minnesota, strangely enough. Yeah, it's, it's important. Greece does not get run by any actual Greeks, only Greek Americans. So you're saying I have a chance. You have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but like his his office was constantly being bugged by the KYP. He would like discover the bugs. He fired like the head of the KYP and like put in some two people who were like loyal to him and asked them to like decouple yourselves from the CIA. And they literally come back being like, no, they know how the radios work and we don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're the only people who can do the job without falling asleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking computer. Yeah. I keep putting a- says I'm an enemy of the people. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and then our last little thing before uh, uh, the next juicy event is that the Gorgopotamus Gorgopotamus Bridge Gorgopotamus Bridge, uh, which is this big, like, symbol of defeating the Nazis, um, is blown up on the anniversary of kicking the Nazis out, uh, um, killing 13 and 100 are injured. It's never been investigated, but widely suspected that was a KYP false flag operation. So, yeah. And that sets us up for the Prometheus plan. Yeah. So, again, um, back to my thesis always of that everything begins in Greece, you know. Um, I, okay, Guatemala does happen in the 50s. Yeah. You know, but by the ambassador, the former ambassador. Exactly. To Greece, yeah. You know, so everyone who's kind of made their mark of what. Uh, and people are waving. Yeah, we have the, screaming the, teenagers. That's, that's really nice. Studio doors. Um, <laughs> I always I mean, like, like Greece always ends up very interestingly within European history, particularly after World War Two of being this kind of experimental area for a lot of policy that ends up becoming normalized we see this within um you know this type you know of uh, the 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 coup that then happens in 1967 yeah we see this in the sense of even a more modern sense with austerity where we're seeing the extremely brutal austerity that there was put in place after the financial crisis is now being has been implemented internally within a lot of other countries yeah. not even just the the pigs but you know the uk doing austerity on themselves germany doing a little bit more brutal austerity the baltics of course being one of but greece is continuously a country where you you like it's 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 kind of this like perfect laboratory for imperialist projects and the cia or the KYP, I guess, internally within Greece, uh, use this opportunity to do the only coup in Europe. Yeah, yeah, the the the, the certainly the first uh, on the twentieth, the night of the twentieth, uh, or early morning of the twenty-first of April, nineteen sixty-seven. They just take a bunch of tanks to the streets to uh, take over the government. Um, largely, seems to be that in one month time there was going to be an election. And Papa Andrea was going to win again. And they were like, no, we don't want that to happen. Yeah. And so uh, after April 21st, 1967, you have then the Council of Generals that is led by Georgios Papadopoulos, which literally sounds like a made up name that the guy in English would be George Papadopoulos. Do you know what his role was? He was the, um, the liaison 
between the KYP and the CIA. He was the guy who basically took the CIA's orders to the KYP. Uh, and now he's in charge of the government. Yeah. And the thing that's actually one of the, like, at least in my perspective, one of the funniest, most interesting things about the 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 government of the military dictatorship is that there never really is an effect. Like, I mean, Papadopoulos is like technically the leader. Yeah. But it's very much a sham. It's very much a sense that the, the, like while like the military is doing the, you know, expelling communists, torturing people, sending them to islands. Islands become a big thing of like camps and whatnot, particularly around Athens and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a lot of suspicion that then that the actual governance of things is not directly from the military dictator, probably from Washington, yeah. which the U.S. only kind of quasi admitted like Bill Clinton, like low key admits in like 1999, but never does. Um, it made writing my thesis very difficult because it has never been proven that the U.S. overthrew the government of Greece, but everyone knows that they did. Yeah. My favorite headline ever from the Washington Post is a uh, headline the next day from the Washington Post reporting on the Greek coup. And it just says, like, uh, you know, whatever. Government overthrown, like, wasn't us, says yeah. our man in Athens. Yeah. <laughs> With the bureau chief of the CIA yeah, 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 yeah. in Athens being like, nah, dog, I don't know what you're talking about. The bureau, like at this point, actually also this at this point, they didn't even start putting Greek Americans in there. It was just like, at this point, I think it was like a guy called John Lachlan. Yeah. Like was head of the CIA at this point. It was like, yeah, fuck it. Put an Irish person in there. Uh, Irish, Greek, it's all the same. But like, yeah, so this is, this is the coup. This is the They're military. all Balkans. <laughs> They're all various types Wait, of Balkans. There we go. Europe is actually just the continuation of the Balkans. Balkan, yeah. um, I don't know if, if you were going to mention this, Kieran, but I, I see mentioned, there are a few quotes in the book, like how proud they are, how quickly they rounded everyone up. And it's yeah. like, those computer, those 15 million files must have come. The computer handy. was very, the computer never slept. It was midnight <laughs> and they, they rounded up everyone. They got, uh, uh, it was really tragic the way they got, uh, um, um, and Andreu, uh, uh, the the son, uh, yeah, yeah, Andreu, is that he almost escaped, but they caught his son and held his son at knife point. Uh, wow! Uh, Thanks, nineteen sixties Excel. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and then like you know, six a.m. after the coup, uh, Papadopoulos comes on and says, "Like we did it for democracy. There's no elections. Uh, all your phones don't work. Don't call anyone." <laughs> <laughs> It will be normal in a bit, I promise. Um, during the Junta, you have this like huge campaign of torture of all the political enemies, you know, going through the Excel sheet. Um, let's, let's do a content warning. Hit that 15-second skip-ahead button for this description of what they did to their political enemies. Um, their toes and fingernails were torn out. Their feet were beaten with sticks until the skin came off. Uh, and the bones broken. Sharp objects were shoved into vaginas. Filthy rags, often soaked in urine and sometimes excrement, were pushed down the throats to throttle them. Tubes were inserted into their anus and water driven under very high pressure. Electroshocks were applied to their head. Uh, when asked about this, the inspector of Athens police, uh, Basil Lambro, said, we're all Democrats here. Um, so there you go. Whoa. <laughs> This yeah. is also, I mean, like the like leading up to this time as well. Uh, I think 
something that then's worth pointing out um just in the sense of that remember because you know democracy is happening here yep the entire like um idea of modern greece of the sense that it is this continuation of this ancient society yeah is literally fabricated by the united states by like most artists political thinkers and you know anyone who's cool leaving the country and yeah. like moving to most like mostly france like one of like an example is like yeah. nikos palanzas you know London was also popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you have a lot of like greeks who end up around europe because that the method of like this 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 hegemonic culture of you know greek identity is formed around like an entirely made up thing of greece yeah. and it's um yeah, I mean, it is it is really funny that then at the end of the day that it ends up like with a um, yeah, just a the the the, the farcical nature of like Greece uh, as as people would probably understand it as a, like a Greek elite would like you to think about Greece is like completely fabricated because for most of their modern history, they're a part of the Ottoman Empire. But this like new national identity is a complete rejection of that, or that we would have anything in common with the Turks, the 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 Macedonians, the Bulgarians, like all these like people that were all also under the Ottoman Empire. But no, we are our own special thing that dates back to like I don't know four thousand BC, and nothing that happened in between then and now actually matters. Yeah, democracy's happening here, baby. Democracy's happening. That rocks. And then also, I just want to introduce a little bit of a drinking game for uh, this series, which is you take a shot whenever this guy's name is mentioned. In April 1968, the Greek colonels, the the Council of Colonels, uh, uh, invited some 50 Italian right wingers, including the notorious gladiator uh, Stefano Delle Cai. Uh, I like gladiator. Uh, yeah, he did the 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 cocaine coup with Klaus Barbie and stuff like that. This this guy is going to show up a lot. Um, he came over to Greece to look at what they did, and then after that, He's like, damn, I'm home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking made it. But actually, leg- legitimately, after those fifty Italian right wingers saw the military junta government of Greece, there is like an uptick in like terrorism and right wing violence that occurs in Italy after that moment. And to acknowledge this, George Papadopoulos writes. Uh, uh, writes a letter to uh, um, to the Italian people to Stefano, uh, saying uh, telegram. His Excellence, the Prime Minister, notes that the efforts that have been undertaken for some time in Italy by the national Greek government have started to have some effect. Uh, started to have some impact. So he's like, yeah, all blowing up of banks and murdering of prime ministers. You're welcome uh, for the inspiration. Uh, I imagine it was a little like The Apprentice or like making the band. <laughs> you get 50 hungry neo-fascists in there. Yeah. You know, just see what happens. Like that uh, uh, Puff Daddy reality show where he made them go run errands for him and stuff. Yeah, walk with the pie. Yeah. So the hunter does eventually collapse. I want, I, want you to, I want you to go. I want you to go to Florence and overthrow the local government. <laughs> I want... <laughs> But it has to have Corinthian columns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, 
this is the hunter does eventually end um because the students protest and uh yeah then no one likes it there's not actually a lot of support for it it's completely propped up by CIA money it collapses in the 70s i sure hope america wasn't having like some sort of weird financial crisis at the exact moment no 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 absolutely what oil never been cheaper um but your greeks invented oil yeah greeks invented oil uh All kinds actually, of it. um also they're stretched too thin because they try to like annex cyprus (laughs) um which the cia does back because there's a social democrat in charge of cyprus uh who's also a priest so that was like very hard to like fight against and because Uh, like it looks like the united states i don't know if you've anyone's looked at cyprus on a map but it's literally just a small island that's shaped like the u.s yeah i see that uh, um, but I, I understand the confusion. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> the guy who started Project X earlier, like, makes another paramilitary in Cyprus to try and like annex Cyprus. He gets the gang back together. That's cool. Yeah, that doesn't work. Turkey invades Cyprus to protect the like, and we have Turkish- the modern we have the modern borders of Cyprus because yeah. of this stupid fucking event. Yeah, the CIA fucking around in Greece has resulted in like. A, st- a, a stationary conflict in in Cyprus that has lasted for more than fifty years now. Yeah, yeah, 1974 to present. Um, so that's fun. The hunter collapses, and then things are great in Greece. Things are fine. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing bad ever happened again in that country. Nothing bad ever happens. Um, I, I'll I'll mention briefly that in the 90s. The revelations happen that we talk about where everyone's like told, hey, Gladio is a thing. Um, at this point, uh, new, de- uh, uh, new Democracy, Neo Democratia, is in charge. They're like the successor of Project X, of the Honda, of LOK, like this, the fascist. They're vibing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they call the whole thing uh, um, a fantasy and that they're not going to get police to investigate fantasies. They eventually are forced to admit it was a thing. Um, and we get the name of the operation in Greece, Operation Sheepskin. Um, <laughs> I, know, I think that was literally meant to be like a, a, a reference to like the Golden Fleece, but also like a wolf in sheep's clothing type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, but like even, even before like, the idea of looking into it a little bit, the government is very like, don't worry, you guys in the government that are probably like the son of Papadopoulos or something, you have nothing to worry about. This is going to be a stupid fake investigation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so in this post, I mean, like, you know, this is this is this is more or less the uh, the end of, yeah. of our story of because the CIA went went a little bit too hard. And too quickly they had to they broke the sheepskin yeah <laughs> you know the cia goes ham, steps back of the sense of that then the 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 protests that happen that then start from the student movement are overwhelmingly from you know communists and socialists and anarchist organizations yeah. that are still incredibly uh influential within greek politics although they don't vote they were and overall the hunter was actually very bad at fabricating like popular yeah. or civic support for itself. Yeah. So, but the junta does have support in yeah. modern Greece where you know just a little little heads up while this isn't important to Gladio stuff the 
web of influence that the junta has post so they all get sent to prison obviously after the uh yeah um, george papadopoulos is ordered to death that's yeah. then like commuted and he just gets a long sentence in prison yeah and there's a there's a there's a scrappy young group of of kids who uh pretty much just cosplay as nazis who start you know making contact with these former generals mm. in jail who uh start a local magazine oh. called christy Yavi, oh yeah that ends up forming itself into the political party that becomes Golden Dawn, mm. which is which was the third largest party in Greece in before the second was... to last election before it was made illegal. Yeah. So the idea that then that I mean, obviously, the junta had people who were, you know, in favor of it. They had their connections that they had within like the U.S. and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the idea that then like a a a right wing push in Greece wasn't going to happen again yeah. is like incredibly silly with the sense of that uh um like for those who obviously don't know yeah I mean like everyone I think has an idea who Golden Dawn is to a degree because they've been pretty like pop not, they were in the news yeah they were in the yeah. news um they legitimately start out of the like sons and grandsons of just like full-blown nazi collaborators yeah and then end up with 13 percent of votes within their like you know relatively their... short run as a party yeah, yeah. i think it was in, like their second or third national election that they were in so the influence of the the, the council of, of colonels or council of generals depending on which yeah. you know way you look at it um stays within greek politics even into the sense of like modern greek just like ultra fascism they adhere to a sense of then what they call metaxism which isn't a thing it's just it's just neo-nazism they like they continuously try to branch it back to like people who were in metaxism's government end up within the colonel of generals thing people who are in the colonel of generals end up within golden dawn people who are in golden dawn were former members of new democracy and stuff like that like Politically, they start having an impact within Greece in a much different way of moving the Overton window far much more right to where then we have the modern sense of Greece being, I would still argue, still a client state of what the right in Europe wants. Yeah. And the thing I think that's very interesting of that, then while covert operations have obviously changed drastically since the 1970s, we can obviously see that the CIA can't do a fucking op to say its life because, yeah. you know, like, you know, they've. They, the coup in Bolivia lasted the, a year. Yeah. And, yeah. They sent like, you know, mercenaries to be arrested by fishermen in Venezuela. Yeah. Like they're very bad. You know, they, they, they're, there's, they're stacking up L's, you know, maybe a Greek's at the head of the CIA now. We don't know. <laughs> but um, the current state of then that I think to kind of reflect on the thing that I, at least, at least I find interesting as someone who's done way too much fucking research on this dumb country for mm. far too much of my like when I was in academia is that the thing that's far more effective of keeping the right in power is this method of kind of convincing the 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 imperial core to just bang on enough amount, like a, a, enough about how there is the continuous threat of socialism immediately at the door that doesn't even need a coup to happen that doesn't need the cia hmm. it just simply needs the sense of that like the economist the financial times german media 
all these medias externally from Greece will then continuously bombard the country with then remember like Syriza was like a mediocre left-wing government that came off the back of a pretty radical thing of the the Ohi vote yeah. I mean it wasn't directly that but they were in government at that time they stayed in government for a little bit and then immediately dropped the ball because they were you know stupidly a coalition of like you know a hundred left-wing parties that all didn't, didn't agree with one another but simply were just trying to be a bulwark against fascism yeah and then with uh the you know I, I, we can just call it the failures of of, of series that happened sure the last elections of greece happening and it was an entirely sense of european and western capital putting themselves behind a party who is an ultra right-wing party who is orban like orban-esque and everything that they do yeah. they have connections to um you know people who are open anti-Semites and neo-Nazis. Uh, the current interior minister of Greece, uh, Anton, uh, uh, um, Athanis has like been a TV salesman of books. Yeah, yeah he's uh, a shopping channel. He's a shopping guy. channel guy who then would like, who's just like sell like the elder, like the, the protocols of what? Elder protocols of Zion? The, elders, the, the protocols of the elders of Zion. Yes, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Surgeon's general. Yeah. Yeah. So this is like, I, I think this is something we can stress a little bit with like particularly Greece, also with Italy, is like there's this kind of like insistence, like a hack joke that the politics of this of these countries are insane, that they are like dysfunctional and they don't work. There's this kind of like liberal knee-jerk reaction to hearing that of like, no, no, Greece and Italy are countries just like us, everything is functional, everything's fine. Yeah. The correct left take is no, it is dysfunctional, it is kooky. There is a guy from the shopping channel as the interior minister who used to sell toothpaste and anti-semitic he's the like, health ministers health, yeah, yeah, yeah anti-semitic books on like the tv like that is a thing that is happening it's just like this is why is because they they weren't really allowed ever be their own government their own country it was all just on like a weird autopilot yeah that like nothing mattered so yeah sure fuck it put the shopping channel guy into government it doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah speaking of that um what, what do we think about the fact that after the, the fascist government, Pasok comes to power in 81, Andreas, the son, um, is the prime minister. Um, and, you know, he had some, you know, tough talk on NATO and stuff, but you know, he never Greece, doesn't, Greece doesn't leave NATO. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a little bit of like a, maybe like an almost like an Olaf Palma, especially with some of the like international connections, but it's mostly talk. So, yeah. And he also he also admits like he becomes prime minister in 81 and he admits in the 90s revelations that when he became prime minister, he learned about Operation Sheepskin. Like he knew it was happening and basically just came out in the 90s being like, I'm shocked, but basically didn't or couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. The thing, too, that then's also just like um yeah what becomes uh quite interesting as well is that from at least the left-wing perspective internally within the country i think i'll just like leave it at this is that there is all this stuff happening that then's post gladio stuff in i mean i'll say that then up until the the coup is when the cia station's still there obviously greece yeah. is still you know within the western you know, very much still within Western influence, still within European, you know, I mean, like it European is, Union, it is, it is very much firmly a, a, a staple of, 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 you know, Western values and this and that and that. And the left within Greece 
from the 70s onward continuously has taken on the position that then Greece is still quasi like an occupied country. Mm. And I think that then exactly what you said of that, then Greece's politics are insane because the West made them insane. And Greece is kind of this like limbo of like, uh, well, they're West, but they're Western, but they're like close to Turkey. Their culture is like, they're like Turkish, but not Muslim, Yeah, you know, but they're like the, you know, but, but democracy was invented there. You know, they're a yeah, weird yeah. like limbo thing. Never ask if that's the Middle East, what used to be called the Near East. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you have this country that then has kind of allowed itself. And I, I will argue in the sense of like, you know, within a European context, a lot of it comes into the sense of that the just European racism allows Greece to be this, you know, uh, continuous proving ground for bad politics. But internally within within the country, a lot of I mean, within the 70s and 80s, you have groups that then form like the November 17th movement that are you know, quasi like the RAF in Germany, mm. who just start committing like, I mean, I don't want to say it's cool, but they start committing a lot of, you know, pretty apparent Dope. terrorist attacks <laughs> yeah. against CIA heads, members of the US Navy, all US officials yeah. with the strong thing, you know, with entirely within that on the back that then Greece is more or less a puppet state of, of the United States. Yeah. And I think that that's still more or less true today still certainly widely believed yeah okay. and not like necessarily like a crank fringe opinion like there'll be like old guys who play dominoes on the side of the street who will also think this yeah so yeah. like while like we i mean yeah me while i may have a kooky opinion about the sense of that then, you know saying like this has actually been like a, a continuous thing within the political current post Gladio is that then you have an incredibly traumatic event such as a military coup, you know, like military junta that then has still left the country like horribly, you know, kind of unsure of where they fit in within Western democracy, you mm -hmm. know, and it still reflects the sense of how politics are done today in the country. Yeah. That's that's Greece. And that's, that's Greece. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Um, that's who fucked up, yo. That's all I have to do, dude. I'm sorry, I'm very tired today. Oh, you can say. <laughs> <laughs>